0: We're on a mission from God. Wendy.
1: Philly! That's
0: so why I got that going. Darling. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue.
1: Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human. I thought they smelled bad.
2: On the outside.
3: Welcome to Vintage Video where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
4: I'm Jess Bayless,
3: And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Christmas Evil on November 7th, 1980. It was written and directed by Lewis Jackson and released by Pan American Pictures. In different markets, it's also called Terror in Toyland and You Better Watch Out.
2: I was going to say, I thought it was just an interesting title card. Like I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) I I better watch out then.
3: I wonder if they'll ever say the title of the movie in these opening credits. Uh, Director Lewis Jackson conceived the basic idea for the film while smoking marijuana and hallucinating Santa Claus holding a knife. During production, the film started with the working title Santa, and later you better watch out but was changed to christmas evil in marketing materials without the director's input <laughs> really yeah Aww. so he was pretty bummed about it i actually think you better watch out makes a lot more sense
4: i think so too I, you know what's amazing to me is like i don't think it's a terrible stretch to think of santa as as a scary m- murderous thing because no, you not know at because all, it yeah. often you know started that way it's yeah. like like a Krampus kind of thing so the fact that it took us till 1980 to get killer santa movies is is kind of astonishing to me. Yeah,
3: it's it's weird cuz this is our technically our second, right? Uh that's like a full feature after yeah. To All a Good Night. Yeah. But we did I think mention in that episode that there was a segment of the original Tales from the Crypt movie that has a killer Santa in it, like a mm-hmm. person dresses as a Santa. Yeah, that's but a it, crazy one. It's technically a short. Yeah. Uh, or it's a, just a yeah. segment of the film. But it's such a it's an yeah.
4: easy thing to think, you know, a dude coming in your house at night, like creeping around in all red. That's yeah, super it seems scary. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Inherently scary. I, I never did watch that film and I may have mentioned it on the other one too, that rare exports. Oh, oh it, yeah, you know,
4: I had really high expectations for it because I loved the The con- trailer was amazing. I loved the concept and the trailer was great, and then I watched it and it was not
3: uh, it was yeah. not good. But that's not why you avoided it, I'm sure.
2: No, no, I just never got around to it. Yeah.
3: The toy factory used in the film was a real toy factory owned by Lynn Pressman, mother of executive producer Edward R. Pressman. They actually got in touch with him because they were like, we need a toy factory, and she was like, oh, my son has money that he could throw at a film, and so that's how he became the EP of the movie. George DeZunza was originally cast in the lead and expressed an interest in rewriting the script almost immediately and was replaced just as quickly. Michael Beck from Xanadu as well as Larry Pine and David Rashie aka inspector sledgehammer all auditioned for the philip role glenn close joe beth williams and lindsey krauss all auditioned for the part of phil's wife jackie hmm. kathleen turner auditioned to play jackie and was turned down what which is crazy because yeah. jackie has like three well, lines I was in the movie yeah. It's
4: it's such a non-role i don't think she should be terribly upset about that <laughs>
3: yeah this is the feature film debut of patricia richardson John Waters is famously a huge fan of this film and regularly screens it at his annual Christmas parties. He is almost single-handedly responsible for its recent popularization.
4: Well, that's interesting. I mean, I could see how there's bits of this movie that are, you know, kind of John Waters-like, but, like, he's so much better than this movie, in my mind.
3: Yeah, but I I think it's it's the right kind of campy for him, mm. and also uh we'll we'll delve into his theories on the character a little bit later and i feel like it's spot-on brilliant
4: maybe i mean maybe maybe if he remade the movie i'd have a better appreciation i honestly think
3: that that would be great and it would seem like something he'd want to do yeah but that would be great and he's friends with the director lewis jackson like the two of them do the commentary on the blu-ray together oh
4: that's awesome i yeah i would love a remake from him because i think that he would add that he would add all the things that That
3: it needs. That it needs, and he would also respect the material. Yeah. Despite the violence in the movie being relatively tame, Christmas Evil shows up in section three of the Video Nasty list. Hmm. I don't even know. I mean, there's a throat slit and an eye stabbed
2: out. I. I mean, maybe that's enough. I guess.
4: Maybe the concept of Santa murdering is is enough to put it on that list, and it's not the actual gore you see.
3: Or the concept of santa sniffing a woman's crotch is enough who knows that they they decided it was obscene enough that this is a video nasty officially which means that together with our previous film boogeyman and our next film shogun assassin we have three video nasties in a row on our schedule
2: shogun assassin okay well, i guess it's that,
4: a lot of squirting blood in that yeah, one yeah so.
2: but that's uh, that one well, makes more sense than this one but boogeyman had that the the kid crunch death this movie didn't really the deaths were so like cut away almost i think the could have
4: used more crunching children yeah
2: just the eyeball
3: stab (laughs) is the one that's the real gross one here
2: or or maybe even maybe that maybe that is the thing that is about it maybe it's like the child wielding the knife um or the threat to these children that he might pose
3: yeah who knows anyway video nasty we open on a two-story suburban home on christmas eve 1947 We slowly tip up to a full moon and then cut inside the house where two boys and their mother sit on the stairs watching Santa drop out of their chimney and place presents under the tree. Usually, we just leave milk and cookies. Yeah. But they left Santa a full loaf of bread (laughs) and something to dip it in and then a finger bowl to wash his hands in. Very thoughtful. One of the kids laughs at Santa catching his attention and he turns to smile at them and touches his nose like, I caught you! And then disappears back up the chimney and suddenly the kids just pop off of the stairs. Like it literally cuts from the same angle of them sitting on the stairs to pop, they're not there anymore.
2: And and who has chimneys that large? That a person could fit up? Yeah, even in, the, even in, th- in this day and age. I think it's
3: supposed to be like their memory of what yeah. happened and not necessarily what actually happened. Phil insists that this was their father playing Santa Claus, but Harry says,
1: Daddy, that wasn't
4: daddy. It wasn't daddy, you're crazy Harry no you're crazy you don't know nothing philly
3: to make absolutely certain harry tiptoes back downstairs sitting on the stairs he finds his mother standing near the tree as santa gropes at her legs apparently sniffing her crotch like i don't know what he's doing here he's too far away to be doing what would make sense (laughs) harry races back upstairs to his room where he finds a snow globe and it's great because it's this Force perspective where there's this giant snow globe in the foreground but they actually built a huge snow globe for this shot
4: <laughs> what really
3: yeah but then he he moves across the room for the insert with the regular size snow globe
4: why did they bother with that
3: because it's just this giant snow globe in the foreground when you see the kid enter the room it's just very stylized and neat looking
4: yeah but couldn't you have done that with a normal size snow globe probably <laughs> it seems like such a waste of effort no
3: it's just fun <laughs> uh he sits on a small chest and has flashbacks to what he just saw before he tosses the globe on the floor shattering it he then picks up a shard and slices open his hand and bleeds on the innards of the snow globe the title card reads you better watch out but theatrically the film was released as christmas evil and there is another i think christmas movie called better watch out without the u mm but as far as I know, You Better Watch Out is not the official title of anything now. The Blu-ray actually represents a closer version of what the director wanted, which is why they used the original title that he wanted. Troma bought the rights for a while, and they released a really crappy scan on DVD. I think it was even 4.3, but the director just recently got the rights to the movie back. He had to sell them to finish making it, and so when he bought it back, he had his print scanned really nice, and so that's the one that has the Blu-ray with, uh, with John Waters on it.
2: What a strange concept that... But- who, who who is who are you selling the rights to while you're still making the movie
3: well it's it, a similar thing happened to richard elfman with forbidden zone where he ran out of money and ended up having to sell all the rights to the film before he could even finish it mm-hmm. and then didn't get it back until decades later and it was basically his last film his only film and the same is true for lewis jackson he didn't direct anything after this we dip to red and then fade back into the present ha get it <laughs> the present uh, adult Harry is sleeping in bed with a full silk Santa robe wearing a Santa hat. He looks over at his Christmas carousel alarm clock and pauses the alarm. He walks through a house overflowing with Christmas decorations. Apparently, Lewis Jackson was collecting Christmas decorations for a decade what? to populate the house in this film.
4: I was going to say that one of my favorite parts of this movie is is all of the set decoration. it's really great it's it's impressive to me that that was just his efforts of over the decade it reminds me of how i feel like um tarsim singh was collecting locations Locations, for decades uh when he was working on movies and then he finally shot uh one of my favorite films the fall and he just used all of them yeah it's like these are all the best locations i've ever found
3: (laughs) and they're all gorgeous in the bathroom he makes a santa beard out of shaving cream on his face He pantomimes conducting an orchestra of christmas music until he nicks his face with the razor and when he sees the red blood from his face he has flashbacks to his mother's red lipstick and then the traumatizing events of christmas eve 1947. we see harry standing in front of a mirror tucking a pillow into his shirt and testing how well his false belly can shake we cut to him on the roof of his building with binoculars he's watching the neighborhood children as they take out the trash play with their dolls and read penthouse magazine (laughs) the naughty kid here moss garcia is literally cutting out centerfolds and lifting them out of the magazine harry runs downstairs reciting moss's name and he lifts two enormous books off a shelf and starts flipping through the one labeled bad boys and girls 1980 he flips through it to moss garcia's page and we see a laundry list of offenses apparently moss throws rocks at dogs he jaywalks he wrote graffiti he smokes cigarettes he litters the street he crosses against the light. He uses profane language, picks his nose, pulled Sally's hair, uses profane language again, gets up late every day, kicks over the garbage cans. Harry adds impure thoughts and negative body hygiene.
4: I don't, I don't really understand where those two come from because A, he doesn't know his thoughts. He's just yeah. looking at booby pictures. What if he
3: wants to be a doctor?
4: <laughs> and where did the body hygiene part come from?
3: Maybe he was watching for longer than we were.
2: Yeah. Eesh. <laughs>
3: Next, he plops his method the method is all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Uh, next, he plops the good boys and girls book on his desk. Apparently, he's awarding Susie Lovett good girl points for just being a general darling. Like that's that's what he writes. She's just a darling.
2: So, okay, these books are both for just the year nineteen eighty.
3: Right, and there is a seventy nine on the shelf. He's yeah. been doing this for more than a year.
2: Right, but also. Uh, he seems to, at least in this instance, he limits his range to what he can see in his apartment.
3: Right. I think it's just his building or his local neighborhood area. And,
2: I mean, that just seems like there's, like, an awful lot of kids in that area to warrant an entire large book.
3: Yeah. It does seem like that. Yeah, uh, his
4: books are huge. His books are an inch or two thick. Yeah, they're, like, mm-hmm.
3: 150 to 200 pages.
4: Yeah. And each kid only has, a has a, you know, One page half, a d- half a dozen things, yeah, on on a single page.
3: but he's also only flipping like 40 pages into Moss garcia's page so maybe he's just not using most of these books he's just planning ahead (laughs) he didn't want the books to look he didn't want it to look like the harry potter series where they start
2: Mm. out 10 pages thick (laughs) and then they're 500 pages at the end well or or maybe he's just planning ahead for inserting names it's like uh, if i put alphabetically if i put this person here then i'm gonna have to (laughs) so he spaces them out a lot uh, yeah
3: that's perfect we cut to the jolly dream toy factory A row of toy soldiers are moving down an assembly line and in place of a rifle, each of them is being handed a small lightning bolt by a factory worker. In the background, toy dump trucks are being assembled on another line. On the lunch break, Harry reprimands his employees for making subpar toys, even though they don't have a pick what they make here. None of them really cares about the product the way Harry does, they're just concerned about being able to afford Christmas for their own families.
1: Nobody here is interested in good toys. That includes me. Me too. I can understand that you've never felt the thrill of making a good toy now how could you in this place
3: he tries to sell them on the importance of durable toys compared to the plastic garbage that they're churning out here
1: don't you understand how useful rigidly constructed toys are how inspirational their value goes way beyond making money
3: the employees he's speaking with ask if he knows who's going to be laid off in january and he seems blindsided by the possibility of layoffs you're in a toy factory at christmas yeah. time there's yeah. gonna be layoffs in january every year but apparently he stopped going to the union meetings, so he doesn't know <laughs> what's coming down the pipe anymore suddenly another co-worker frank barges into the conversation and mentions that his wife wants to leave early for a family vacation and he needs someone to cover his shift here frank learns about harry's recent promotion to middle management but harry insists he misses working the line Frank grabs a sandwich out of Harry's hands to just take a bite of it. He tells Harry he hates Christmas cause how expensive it is for him.
1: No, well, it's Christmas I hate most. That's when I get slaughtered by an almost present.
3: We have a slow tracking shot away from the production line into the window to Harry's office at the Jolly Dream Factory. The poster behind him reads, If it's not a jolly dream, it's not worth having. Harry gets a call from Frank. Offering him the shift he needs covered, since Harry misses the conveyor belt so much.
0: We're gonna do each other a favor, Harry. What do you mean? I couldn't get anyone else to take my shift,
4: do I don't remember how much you said you missed the line. Does
3: Harry agrees reluctantly to take the shift. Does
4: he actually agree? No,
3: he well, doesn't.
4: He doesn't agree.
3: He just—he doesn't say, "I'm not going to do it." Yeah, that's but all the, Frank but, needs.
4: But the other guy basically says, "You're going to do this." Yeah, and that's the end of the conversation.
3: He does say, "Okay." because he
2: tells him to have a good weekend
4: yeah yeah
3: <laughs> yeah frank tells him you you have a good time tonight <laughs> like working my shift enjoy that on his way home from taking the shift he peeks through the window of the odd couple lounge and sees frank inside at the bar he overhears him bragging to friends about how he tricked harry i
0: get that smart harry working for me tonight <laughs>
3: harry runs home furious he takes a small doll out of a dollhouse and he grips it tightly in his hands he hums santa claus is coming to town to himself to calm down but it doesn't seem to work and eventually he crushes this doll <laughs> just well, into pieces in his hands
2: and and really for a guy who was just complaining about not making enough money and the the holiday season mm-hmm. is killing his paycheck it's like you think you'd want to work that shift right yeah and get your paycheck but nope he wanders over to another
3: stadling home not his home because this is harry stadling we're going to philip stadling's home uh this is his brother from the from the cold open these are the two brothers i think harry's the older brother and philip is the younger brother inside his brother phil is wrestling on the couch with his two nephews until sister-in-law rushes them to bedtime in one of the inserts of harry watching he is the child from our cold open again he just stands there staring at his brother and sister-in-law making out on the couch and then turns away from the window uncomfortable but then he keeps peeking back inside like he's not totally uncomfortable with it uh the next day Harry's watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade alone. We see the underdog balloon float by, followed by the, <laughs> I think I have this right, the Hamburger Emperor All-American Band. <laughs> That's what it sounds like they're saying.
0: Let's swing and sway with the Hamburger Emperor All-American Band.
3: I wonder if Hamburger Emperor is just a a free-use version of Hamburger Helper like or it was Bur- sponsored, Or Burger King. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Burger King, that makes sense. Uh, this would obviously have been the 79 parade at the earliest since the 1980 parade had not happened by the time the film released director lewis jackson actually ran out and recorded all the parade footage himself (laughs) Mm -hmm. to avoid having to pay for the rights to someone else's footage
4: that's hilarious
3: harry is very excited to hear that santa will be up next and we cut to phil's house where he's doing push-ups in his boxers he watches his wife pull on some stockings and they start kissing while the boys watch the parade in the other room Phil's wife Jackie makes Phil promise to leave Harry alone today. Phil seems to have a hard time agreeing to this. Apparently Harry fucks up regularly and Phil thinks it's his job to keep him in line.
1: If I start to think about how lame he is, there's no way I won't say the wrong thing to him. So don't think.
3: As the parents descend the stairs to the kids, Jackie reminds Phil of school supplies the kids need. And Phil jokes
1: I have to repossess a large family this week You're
3: terrible. Implying that Phil is literally the exact opposite of his brother. One works in a toy factory, and the other is a repo man taking gifts away from people.
2: And apparently also taking some of those
4: things yes. to bring to his family. Yeah. Oh, I just presumed that he he, he would get would paid get a, for doing it. Well, a, I figured he was paid on commission. Oh, yeah. So it's like as if you, if you possess more, you make more.
3: But also if you repossess a family that has a lot of calculators lying around.
4: Yeah, if a calculator disappears or two, you know.
3: <laughs> what are you going to do? The phone rings and it's Harry. He's skipping Thanksgiving dinner tonight for other plans. Phil doesn't understand, but Harry has to hang up when Santa appears on his TV. We get a really awful bit of a score here as Harry holds white fluff over his eyebrows in the bathroom mirror. He sews together a padded Santa suit and lines it with authentic furs. He paints Santa's sleigh on the side of his child molester van. He reads through the good boys and girls books to determine what each child's gift will be this year. The next day, he sees a group of children sitting on a stoop, and they ask him what he wished for today. I guess this is a regular thing for him. And he says,
1: I wished I was super magic.
3: One of the children wished to be the principal of his school, another wished to be a firefighter, and Moss Garcia ruins everything.
4: I wish I had a lifetime subscription of Penthouse Magazine. Moss Garcia. At least he's honest. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's true. Uh, That kid doesn't want to be a principal. On his desk at home, Harry for some reason keeps a photo of Susie, but he lays it face down to open the Bad Boys and Girls book. He reads out loud the details of Moss Garcia's page, and we cut to him running through the neighborhood to spy on Moss Garcia at home. Moss is playing with the Jolly Dream toys in his living room, and Harry smears mud all over his face and hands to leave a print of his muddy face and hands on the side of Moss's house.
4: Why does he do this?
3: This marking is in the tradition of another Christmas character known as Black Peter probably better known by the germanic equivalent krampus an assistant of santa's (laughs) who is covered head to toe with soot from all the chimneys they move through delivering toys in the weeks leading up to the feast of saint nicholas black peter would spy on children to make sure they were good and leave behind these markings as evidence of his observation
4: ah okay that explains a lot (laughs) that's pretty that's pretty
3: impressive research well i think that the guy who wrote this movie cared a lot about Mm -hmm. it and he read every book he could find about the santa mythology unfortunately i doubt Moss garcia is up to speed on the whole black peter tradition nor will he notice anything on the outside of his house because he's too busy throwing rocks at dogs
4: well and i know you notice it later in the film (laughs) nobody cleaned it it or anything yeah i was gonna say i feel like I would notice this big mud splotch on the side of my house and maybe want to wash it off. Even if I didn't identify it as like hand and face prints, I'd yeah. want to get the chunk of mud off my house. But
3: it's like on the side facing the street. So there's no way they don't see it every time they arrive and depart. Yeah. Moss's mother rushes him out the door to attend her mahjong night. Moss won't be playing, he's just being dragged along.
4: I like the line there. He's like, I hate mahjong. He's like, Well, you're not playing it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Harry ducks into the bushes outside the house to avoid being caught. Moss puts up a fight getting into the car until he notices Harry in the bushes. His mom yells for him to get in the car, and he slowly tiptoes toward the bushes. When Moss gets too close, Harry grunts loudly and throws a fist past Moss's face, and he runs back to the car crashing headlong into his mother, who doesn't care about the, quote, man hiding in the bushes, end Mm -hmm. quote, and slaps him real hard before they get in the car.
4: Now you get in the car! You would ruin my one night out
3: mom is pretty upset about being a couple minutes late to mahjong
4: well, okay i would be pretty mad about the night out being i have to take my kid with me if yeah. you get one night out taking the kid with you is not a night out
3: well i don't know if there's anyone else living in this house i think she's a single mom and oh, she's, maybe she's just got moss um,
4: where's he getting the penthouse that's true <laughs> is this is mom's penthouse well and
3: doesn't he say something like i don't want why go. she's single now yeah i think even when he's when he says that he wants to go he wants to stay home she says what are you your father or something like that so maybe he is at home (laughs) she's still dragging the kid out to go watch mahjong. the next day harry sets about creating acceptable toys for the good kids this year he's melting pewter in molds and building sturdy soldiers employees pile into the jolly dream toy factory for the annual christmas party harry prepares himself for the party at his work locker and looking at its mirror he touches his nose the way santa did when he was a child
2: i mean the way that santa touched
3: santa's nose (laughs) santa didn't touch harry's nose correct (laughs) maybe they're all one and the same harry walks into the party just as a message from their ceo begins playing on a small television in the corner he announces a holiday initiative to donate toys to the willowy springs state hospital on screen the boss reminds the employees
0: the more toys we make the more we can get keep
3: production up even inviting them to make their own monetary donations because the children could certainly use it we also see like an investigative journalist talking about the needs of this hospital and the guy playing the reporter is doing an impersonation of geraldo rivera Mm -hmm. but geraldo rivera was a local newsman at the time Mm. so it wouldn't have made sense to everybody at the time but that was just a reference that they decided to make in the movie yeah and now no, it makes said. a lot more sense yeah. to everybody because everybody knows who he is. A co-worker, Ben, pulls Harry aside and tries to start a fight between Harry and
1: Frank. Frank's over there. He's telling everyone you had a great time working your shift for them. It's hard to believe.
3: Harry starts speaking in a weird code to tell Ben that he's figured out what makes them all tick.
1: What do you mean? The right tune. I've been trying to find the notes to it for as long as I can remember. Well, I found it. I can play the tune. I'll tell you, Harry. I don't know what the fuck
4: you're talking about. I don't think we do either, though.
3: No, I I feel like this one line is something that I would change, um, because it doesn't it doesn't sound especially Santa e. Well, yeah. I feel like there's something that you could replace it with that that comes out of a, a a holiday song.
4: Sure, or you know, like talk about being naughty and nice and and stuff like that. Like yeah. it just it didn't seem in character yeah the,
3: the tune thing feels like a pied piper reference more than a santa reference ben and harry are suddenly introduced to george a new employee in the executive training program who will be spending christmas on their boss's island the ceo wiseman from the donation video wants george to get a grand tour of the place
4: i think toys are lucrative enough that you get your own private island
3: if you make them shittily enough yeah <laughs> and everybody Shitty. in town has them <laughs> yeah that's a word right as they continue to talk to Harry, he is distracted by the television, which is now showing this footage from the children being cared for at the Willowy Springs State Hospital for Retarded Children. Harry learns that the toy donation campaign was George's idea, and it's his first contribution to the Jolly Dream Toy Factory.
4: Was that really the name? That they really put the word retarded yes, children they did. in the yes. name? Yeah, <laughs> I missed that.
2: That's how he refers to them. I don't it's it
3: referred to in the video as a hospital for retarded children right but yeah.
2: but it, that's not what the sign on this hospital says right no
3: i think it just says willowy springs
2: which do not do justice to the suffering
0: going on at the willowy springs state hospital for retarded children the hospital. i'd like to hear that's some of your other children. ideas for jolly dream harry
3: harry asks how many toys are being donated and if it's enough for all the kids and george says i have no idea <laughs> george admits that it's kind of irrelevant because the campaign won't even be funded unless enough employees participate in the donation program. Harry's not shy about telling these men that their way of doing business sickens him, but instead of saying that in basic English, he starts talking about tunes again, and who knows how to play them and why? It's very strange. I feel like he's not getting his point across. Harry heads down to the factory floor with large sacks from the office, and he bags up all the toys on the production line.
2: Which he just complained were crap. (laughs) Yeah,
3: these are garbage toys. Harry pulls over to the side of the road, and fills more of his sacks with dirt a standard gift of black peters to the bad children each year at home we see harry wearing the full santa beard for the first time and it looks great harry's having a very emotional moment seeing himself in the beard for the first time john water's theory on the film is that harry is basically a transvestite but instead of identifying as the opposite gender he identifies as santa claus and wants nothing more than to pass as santa
4: yeah well i I really liked the transition here from him putting the makeup on to having completed the makeup the, right I, I think the makeup job really sells that transition
3: yeah and i would say that this shot basically confirms the theory because the first time he sees himself he's practically in tears with happiness mm-hmm. and he tugs repeatedly at the beard to test the strength of the spirit gum yeah or super glue or whatever yeah. he used and uh he concludes emotionally that this is him yeah with the beard he's finally the person he's always meant to be it's me we flash forward to christmas eve harry and his completed santa suit enter his brother's living room late late at night with a massive knife replicating the hallucination that inspired the film in the first place he begins unloading the gifts he brought under a christmas tree already crowded with presents he tears open a box from the jolly dream company of two motorcycle rider toys called suicide racers Uh, the toys are already broken on account of being cheap plastic garbage and harry tosses them behind the tree next harry heads to moss's house and leaves a bag of dirt on the porch with a card addressed to moss he drives his sleigh van to the willowy springs hospital harry argues for a bit with the night security guard over credentials not wanting to identify himself eventually he convinces the guard he's here with good intentions and the hospital staff are summoned to help him unload his van full of toys for the children inside for some reason the way he convinces this guard is to hand him a wrapped gift Mm -hmm. but the guy has no idea what's in it and it was clearly meant for children but just the fact that he's holding a rectangular prism wrapped in christmas paper is enough for this guy to be like oh come on in then oh you really do
2: have presents and not bombs or dangerous things at least I i think maybe this is a bomb that i'm holding i have no idea
4: I think that part of it too was when he said he had like an entire truckload to unload. Yeah. That was that was convincing to be like, Oh, there's a there's a lot more.
3: Yeah. One of the hospital staff asks Harry who donated all this stuff, and Harry's answer is some people who didn't realize how generous they could be. But literally every box in this truck is labelled Jolly Dream. Yeah. So it should be super obvious where it all came from. Second of all, why is he giving shitty Jolly Dream toys to these retarded kids? Don't they deserve real toys that he worked really hard on at home?
4: Well, I fully expected that to come back because he he is making toys at one point. I yeah. mean they're not really toys we find out later. But I thought like he <laughs> was going to you know, make toys that would turn evil somehow like i thought it was going to be a more of a nightmare before christmas sort of thing where he had good intentions but then they, they went wrong yeah in in the toys that he made but he doesn't actually turn out these
3: kids are getting lead poisoning from what he yeah, makes or well, something.
4: something like that yeah but he doesn't actually make any toys that he delivers to children
3: yeah except All for right. that big bag of dirt
2: yeah he, he made that especially uh i was convinced and even even though after watching the credits it was like i know i don't believe it I'm convinced that that doctor, the male doctor that comes out, is Richard Kind.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. He looks so much like. I him. was
2: like, how is that not Richard Kind? He's the right age. He's he's even like the right build and he everything. sounds like him. I was like, that's Richard Kind, but no, he's not in the credits.
3: That's Bing Bong for the folks at home. He's also one of the cars in in Cars Two, or maybe it's the first Cars. I don't know. The kids were watching it the other day, and I was like, I didn't realize Richard Kind was in an earlier uh pixar movie but he's in a couple
2: yeah he he is the um the, there's like the husband and wife car that right, comes that are the trying town. to go through town and they're yeah, trying yeah. to convince them to buy all their shit
0: funny she's got a map i don't need a map i have the gps
2: never need a map again thank you how about- something drink this is not richard kind though in this movie no
3: the fact that he pretends that the donation is anonymous when all the presents are labeled reminds me of a joke from the tenacious d series when bigfoot comes to see their show after they kicked him out of the band and he's like tell tenacious d they were kick ass and paul f Tompkins is like and who should i tell them said that tell them it was uh no tell them it was a friend (laughs) okay And then he leaves and he's like crying outside and then he comes back. He's like, you know what, you better tell them it was Sasquatch. They won't know what friend you're talking about. Uh, The hospital is ecstatic, though, to see all these gifts. And they treat Harry as if he were the real Santa. A nurse even gives him a big kiss on the cheek. And the staff all wave him off with a...
0: Merry
1: Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas, everyone! Harry
3: hears the voice of the new executive, George, in his head saying, I have no idea how many children are in that hospital, Harry. But what's weird here is that we hear the voice, and then like a couple seconds later we see the clip play mm-hmm. silently. The next time we hear a voice in his head, it's in sync with the picture, but for some reason they're they're off by like five seconds for this part. It's very weird. Didn't seem on purpose. He drives to the church where his boss said that they would be attending midnight mass together, and he waits at the bottom of the steps for church to let out. You can't go onto hallowed ground. No. Uh, no, Santa is not allowed on the ground. The first few, the first few men down the steps from the congregation immediately start hassling Harry. They're making fun of the van, the suit, the fact that he's dressed as Santa. None of which should be remotely strange on Christmas
2: it's Eve. Christmas. Why yeah. would
4: you be so cruel to somebody dressed as Santa on yeah. Christmas?
2: In fact, I would have thought it was someone. I would have been extra kind because I th- would have thought it was someone that the company paid for. Who would have been yeah. Richard kind. Oh, <laughs> 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 and not to mention that they're coming
3: out of church with like their fellow churchgoers. like you want to at least pretend to be nice until you're in your car
4: yeah for sure are, do we know these guys are these aren't no these aren't they're our executives from the no. company they aren't co-workers no, the
3: executives don't even get down the steps aren't they execu-
4: the executives are in there yeah though. george
3: is there and and the the bigger the higher up boss is there not the ceo but the the two guys that were at the party that were talking to him so
4: these guys that are hassling him have not appeared in the movie right far.
3: and his whole reason for going to the church doesn't pay off because he never gets to talk to the people he's there to see
2: or kill or kill yeah who knows
3: <laughs> harry tells the loudest guy on the steps that he has a gift for him and the man responds i have superlative taste before harry stabs the man through his right eye with the sword from a pewter soldier harry lifts an axe in the air and bashes several people over the head with it, just slicing open their skulls. The bodies are all stacked at the base of the stairs, and he never gets a chance to attack his co-workers because of this interruption. Now, there's such a frenzy going on that he has to just jump back in the car and leave, but only the people who are giving him shit die in this scene. Nobody else. It's just yeah. the three people that were ripping on him for dressing as Santa.
4: Yeah, it just seemed a little strange. I was like, th- I thought this was your chance to kill... The, george is the yeah, guy that screwed the over the guys that hospital. you were upset about
3: harry he drives away and parks his supremely recognizable sleigh van on the street and gets out to walk past a families and friends association party as he peeks through the window at the festivities he is noticed and dragged inside by some party goers
4: well as he's walking up though uh he parks his van and walks up to this place that there are some of those like uh you know plastic blow mold uh decorations yes and 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 i i really love it because it's the same one over and over and over and over and over again it's just yeah. dozens of like santas with reindeers yeah <laughs> like if you actually put these up you wouldn't put multiple santas and reindeers like in yeah. a row like this but it's just it's great i love the decorations in
2: this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, almost, it almost seems like a neighborhood decision yeah, like a block decision yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 they span more than one house yeah they're everywhere
3: the music sting as the two men grab him outside to drag him into this party makes it seem like the scene is going to go very poorly
1: hey everybody hey look who's here
3: but it it, it seems to go rather well Uh, He reaches over his shoulder as if to grab the axe again, but quickly realizes they're treating him like real Santa, and not like a weirdo who dressed up as Santa for Christmas Eve. A group of kids race up to him, and he hands them all gifts from his big sack. Uh, We cut for a moment back to the scene outside the church as police are arriving, and one of the witnesses, as the detective passes, shouts,
1: They did deserve it! (laughs) Which I
3: think is taking it a bit far. (laughs)
2: Well, and one of them says, like, what do you think of your first real uh, religious experience? It's <laughs> like, what? Three, four people are dead. Yeah.
4: And I think they, they do they describe the van here? because I No.
3: Would... Nobody says anything about the van. They just say, oh, it's a guy dressed as Santa. How are we supposed to find him? Well,
4: at one point, somebody does describe the van, and I misheard them. And they were like, it's got big red flames on it. And then I realized later, like, oh, he said sleighs, didn't he? It's got big red sleighs on it, not flames on it. It makes
3: slightly (laughs) more sense. There's (laughs) only one sleigh on the thing. Santa takes turns dancing with everybody at the family and friends party. Before he leaves, Harry gives a speech as Santa to the boys and girls.
1: I want you to remember to stay good boys and girls. Respect your mothers and fathers and do what they tell you. Obey your teachers and learn a whole lot. Now, if you do this, I'll make sure you get good presents from me every year. (laughs) But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the Bad Boys and Girls book, and I'll bring you something horrible the kids sit
3: there creeped out by this and then santa busts up laughing so loud it spooks one of the kids even further
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> apparently on set none of these kids knew how the speech was gonna go so this was a genuine reaction from the girl <laughs> on the right she's like uh and then starts like uh, like nervously laughing along with santa
4: that's awesome i love that though so- to be fair, the horrible thing that he does for these children is, is just, give just give them, give them dirt. dirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, they- unless
3: they're real bad, then he stabs them in the eye. <laughs> uh, someone proposes a toast to Santa, and then he says his goodbyes. He climbs back into his eminently recognizable sleigh van and drives down the street pretending to whip at his reindeer.
1: Now Dasher! Now Dancer! Now Prancer and Vixen! On Comet! On Cupid! On Donner and Branson.
3: But we're actually hearing the whip. Mm-hmm. yeah and i wanted them to like do an insert of like that it was just the car backfiring or something making the whip sounds
2: uh-huh. but why did he park the car and get out in the first place
3: because he saw that there was a party going on and he wanted to look at it all right i guess <laughs> he has another flashback here to frank in the bar bragging about how he tricked harry and then he pulls up to frank's house and somehow he knows where all of his coworkers work and go to church and live and he takes a, a ladder up onto the roof and tries to slide down the chimney but succeeds only in dirtying his costume and very nearly gets himself stuck like phoebe kate's dad from gremlins yeah Uh, he manages to extricate himself from the chimney and instead climbs through an open basement window harry sneaks through the house into frank's living room and frank's kids catch him putting presents under the tree but run when he sees them harry moves into frank's bedroom and stands over him while he sleeps frank recognizes harry for a split second before harry is able to suffocate frank with a sack of gifts Somehow, Frank's wife sleeps through all of this. I guess she's medicated or something. Frank survives the suffocation, so Harry slices open his neck with an ornament from a nearby Christmas tree. His body lands across his sleeping wife, and when she wakes up, she's trapped in an inaudible nightmare scream. It's very disturbing, but it feels exactly like when you try to scream in a dream and just (laughs) nothing comes out. Uh, The kids see him again as Harry races out of the house, and their mother is finally heard screaming audibly. We cut to Christmas morning at Phil's house. The presents are all unwrapped, and the kids are watching a Santa special on television. Weirdly, the kids are not playing with the special gifts that we saw Harry make. Also, neither Phil nor Jackie acknowledged that some of the gifts under this tree weren't put there by them.
2: <laughs> also, they weren't just watching some Christmas special. Right, okay. It was Laurel and Hardy's Babes in Toyland. Yeah,
3: because I definitely saw Hardy in there. Yeah. I... Is
2: that the one with all the tin
3: toys where they're they fighting? and?
2: Yeah, yeah, they they wind up—they They they were supposed to make, like— uh a thousand soldiers at at one one like 12 feet tall but they made like they made 12, 12 soldiers, soldiers at a thousand, thousand feet or, tall no no it was it, it was a, <laughs> a mix of the numbers soldiers, 12 feet tall yeah exactly um and so at the end when they're being attacked by these minions of uh silas uh they wind them all up to go out in a fight yeah um it's a it's a really weird movie because there's all this really interesting um set design and uh like costumes and craziness that goes on in that movie
3: whenever we did christmas at my cousin's house tommy we would always watch that with him on christmas morning i always preferred the laurel and hardy movies to the uh, abbott and costello ones as a kid yeah because i felt like laurel and hardy were more kid friendly yeah stuff suddenly the children's christmas show is interrupted with a special news bulletin phil is hanging on every word of the broadcast while jackie talks over it insisting that phil underestimates his brother phil and jackie have an argument by the christmas tree wherein Phil explains he feels responsible for any unsavory actions his brother might take. Harry wakes up in his parked van, at least it's covered with a tarp now, his suit is still tarnished from the chimney attempt, and he heads into the Jolly Dream toy factory and starts all the conveyor belts running so that the toys will fall off of the ends of the conveyor belts and just break on the floor.
2: But, but who's assembling them?
3: I don't know, they're, they're all already assembled.
4: Yeah, but they also, even before the end of this shot, they run out. If you if you watch yeah, that's the, true. the if you the watch the Colbert shot, yeah. like there's not toys past yeah. you know the end of this. It's gonna be it's gonna run for ten more seconds. Is. Yeah,
3: he could have just swept them all onto the floor. It's it's just a waste of electricity, I guess. A police lineup of Santa suits are asked to turn and say "Merry Christmas" for witnesses. The witnesses agree that the Santa they saw had a dark fur lining, not white like these men. Officer Gleason here admits that this murderous Santa may do some good after all. You mean give the myth
1: back its meaning? Myth? Smith. Smith. Don't make kids scared again. They won't think everything's coming to them so easy. They're bad? Santa will give them.
3: (laughs) Harry calls Phil from his office. Phil tells Harry he's worried about him and that he's waited all day for this call. Harry tells Phil that he found the notes and he's finally playing the right tune. Harry drops the phone and walks away from it, and he gets back in his van and drives through the neighborhood, losing control on a patch of ice. He gets out of the van to continue his deliveries on foot to a house with 75 snowman lights and Santa lights strewn around the yard. Harry is suddenly transfixed by the full moon and starts walking toward it. In an alleyway under a fire escape, he's suddenly surrounded by children running ahead of their parents. The parents are immediately convinced this is the killer Santa from the news, but the kids are just asking him standard Santa questions. One of the men is more confident than the rest that this is the killer Santa and approaches Santa to get some answers. Santa hands gifts to all the children as the suspicious adult approaches with a switchblade. The kids all surround Santa to protect him from the man with a knife, including his own daughter, and then the daughter then goes to fight with her dad, and when her mom joins the tussle, dad drops the knife, and the little girl picks it up and gives it to Santa like, here, stab my dad. <laughs> harry runs past the dad with the knife out and it looks like someone got stabbed here but i can't tell if anyone actually even got hurt in this mm-hmm. and uh but as he's leaving one of the other parents like pulls out i think it's a brooch or something and yeah. pokes him in the face and he gets this like little pinhole prick in his
2: cheek i thought for sure that this was going to come back to like identify him later oh yeah like because he's like got this big old face scar now like okay so now when they get in the lineup yeah or something like that he'll be he won't be if he takes off the suit he'll there'll still, still be something that marks him
3: right. yeah. uh suddenly the angry mob of adults is literally carrying torches through the street
4: where did they get these like I, instantly
3: i don't know <laughs> you take a roll of toilet paper and you soak it in kerosene where did they get them in charlottesville it was like didn't they get them at like one oh, or something? <laughs> yeah
2: there aren't, there aren't any mosquitoes anywhere around here. This is great. This is In the great. dead of winter.
3: This mob has no mosquito bites. Harry ducks into an alleyway to lose the angry mob and then starts running the opposite direction. Very quickly, they're following him here, and as he races down the street, he slips once on another patch of ice as the people are catching up with him. Harry gets to his van and finally gets it moving, but the mob can't keep up as he goes flying down the street. Harry parks the van outside Phil's home and rings the doorbell late at night. The fact that Harry is in a Santa costume is all the confirmation Phil needs that his brother has been responsible for this killing spree, and he asks how many people his brother has killed. Harry says, they all rejected my tune. Phil drags Harry into the house after he tells his wife to take the kids upstairs. Harry tries to pin his lifelong traumas on Phil for admitting Santa wasn't real when he was six years old. Phil, furious to be blamed for these murders indirectly, begins to strangle his brother Harry phil chokes him unconscious and seemingly dead jackie is understandably terrified to see this and phil immediately regrets what he's done he drags harry's body out the front door and the children watch from an upstairs window as daddy tucks uncle harry back into his windowless van Phil stands beside the van with his hands over his face in shame for what he's done when Harry regains consciousness in the van and just punches Phil out the driver's side window.
4: <laughs> I don't know what Phil's plan was here. I don't either. It's so bizarre. I mean, I thought I I've thought this guy's dead. This is a weird turn for this movie. Yeah. I, I, maybe we're figuring out that Phil's the monster really yeah. and was all along. I don't know. But I don't really understand what his intent would be here just be like oh no he died of strangulation on his own in his own van i don't know what happened
3: (laughs) it's a crazy coincidence harry drives the van down the street and phil tries to chase him on foot at the last second harry has to swerve around a torch bearing mob in the street and drives through a chain link fence off the side of a bridge phil dives out of the road and rolls down an embankment through a bunch of cardboard boxes and a fluffy white blanket meant to look like a snow layer that just Mm. bunches up under him (laughs) Uh, As he crashes to the bottom of the ravine, we hear what sounds like a van exploding in the distance. And then we cut back to Harry's van crashing through the bridge, but it's still in the air. And in fact, it's attained an impossible trajectory flying upward into the sky toward the full moon harry recites the final line from to all a good night the poem not the movie (laughs) (laughs) and uh and his van disappears into the sky and that's the end of our film
4: yeah i like the ending
3: yeah the ending is great
4: i i had a lot of issues with the film (laughs) okay (laughs) I'm just saying like it's not for the first you know three quarters of it it's not very interesting i think it,
3: it takes its time for sure getting started
4: yeah and i feel like what it's taking its time to do it doesn't do very well i think we're trying to establish you know the the mental state of of this character and i don't think we're super clear on it even by the end
3: i think that the the story is more about this is what a real life santa would be how fucked up is this myth that we have yeah that there's a guy keeping track of what everyone does and if you're good then you get presents, and he'll be super nice to you. He'll even steal the presents to give them to you. But if you're bad, he'll just straight up murder you. And it doesn't matter how bad you are. It's like super. You know, it's yeah. like you 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 don't cut in line. Yeah. It's just he'll he'll kill you then if you I do anything. I think I would have wanted
4: wrong. you to do that to the extreme, and this doesn't do that.
3: That's true. The first kill is forty some minutes into the movie. Yeah, it's
4: most of the way into it, and you're like, ah, eh, I could, I could have, we we could have. Fast forwarded through this beginning bit a yeah. little bit sooner and gotten more, more kills out of it. And, and but I do
3: like dwelling in his like psychosis a little bit in the in the first half. I, I I agree it could have been tightened up a lot.
4: Yeah.
2: But also most of the kills were people that he never intended to kill. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so I feel it's a little unsatisfying that he doesn't get his at least personal point across. That. Uh, that he got to get his target does he only really kills the people outside the church right well and and frank in his bed oh right and he slashes his throat yeah uh but uh and there's like a lot of weird little loose threads like the police getting involved i mean i know you need to do that just for procedure sake i guess i honestly don't know the real purpose of the phil character exactly i was just gonna say the brother Um, character adds nothing to this
4: well and i don't really like we we keep going back to him being really angry at harry like phil phil has this this pent-up aggression about always having to do something i don't know so i I just wish that his his perspective was just a little bit clearer on the situation
3: i mean the closest i can guess is that phil thinks his brother belongs over at willowy springs if you know what i mean and he feels like he's been sheltering his brother this whole time from the real world
4: yeah then i feel like then we spend more of the movie going through that stuff like but let's build also this feel up a little bit more I,
3: yeah that and i think that it's not necessary to clutter up the phil character with oh he's also like kind of a shitty guy in general it's like just make him a supportive brother who cares a lot about harry yeah. there's no reason for him to be a bad guy who also tries to murder someone in this movie
2: well and and really is is harry all that bad like he worked at a toy factory he's not killing people on the regular i don't think well no but i mean it's just like he he worked on an assembly line and he worked his way up to a desk job Uh, you know um, i'm not it doesn't seem like he's incapable of of uh supporting himself no and
3: and you know as as evidenced by the fact that he's living in an apartment that he pays for himself he's not like living in their guest house or
4: something Mm -hmm. well that's why i feel like we needed more of like an unraveling so like he's together and he's really coming apart throughout this film and i feel like we get that a little bit but it's too dramatic of a shift yeah you know it needs it needed to be more gradual and then escalate and we escalate what he's doing, so it starts off with these good intentions of giving presents to kids, and then, it, then he gets a little bit darker and delivers, you know, dirt to a kid, and then it gets a little bit darker and he delivers, you know, a dead animal, or he, de- you know, like mm-hmm. we keep escalating his response to people not receiving him well.
3: Right. Yeah. There's definitely room for improvement, and I hope that John Waters takes all of our comments into account. <laughs> When he sits down to read. I'll watch it.
4: I'll definitely watch his version.
3: I'll watch it if it's if it's a shot for shot remake. That'd be fine. Um our director here was Lewis Jackson. He appears in the film as the bartender. He also directed The Deviates in nineteen seventy and something called The Transformation, A Sandwich of Nightmares in nineteen seventy four. This was his final directing credit. Uh choreographer Harry Streep is the brother of Meryl Streep. Hmm. Brandon Maggart played Harry Stadling we had him earlier this year as cleveland sam the prostitute customer in dress to kill when he's like uh yeah who are you she's like i'm the lady you ordered and he's like oh really oh wow come on in he was lou waters in 115 episodes of something called brothers that i've never heard of and he's also the father of fiona apple Hmm. our killer santa in this movie is fiona apple's dad
4: okay sure
3: Jeffrey DeMunn was Philip Stadling. He was Harry Terwilliger in The Green Mile. He's Captain Estridge in The Hitcher. We've had him earlier this year as Joe, the first husband in Resurrection, and Sergeant Corelli in The First Deadly Sin. He was also Dale on The Walking Dead, and he's currently Chuck Rhodes Sr. in Billions. Andy Fenwick was Dennis Stadling. That's one of the nephews. Uh, earlier this year, he was Andy Hacklin, kidnapped son of James Con's Bert Hacklin in Hide and Plain Sight. The one who wanted to go to the baseball game. Patricia Richardson was Moss's mother. Uh? She plays Connie Hope in *Julie's Gold. She's Sheila Brooks on The West Wing. And she's Jill the Tool Woman Taylor yeah. on Home Improvement. <laughs> That's the woman who slaps her son real hard. Uh? Peter Friedman, Mr. Grosch, uh He does lots of voices on The Muppet Show. And he's currently Frank Vernon on HBO's Succession. He's great on that show. John Brockman was Dr. Probst. Uh, he plays self the face in head and a lawyer in the 97 TV movie Hey Hey It's the monkeys. Burt Kleiner was Sol Wiseman he played Glenn in jadorowski's Holy Mountain and a producer in Fake Out William Robertson was the guard outside the hospital he played a bum in Hero at Large he played Mr. Henry in Those Lips Those Eyes so far this year James Desmond was man number one he was Smitty in Eight Men Out and he's the guy sitting next to Jill Clayburgh in the stands of the old timers game, and it's my turn. Oh. And man number two, these are the two men who drag Santa into their Christmas party, uh, was Mark Margolis. Yeah. Who is Mr. Shickadance in Ace Ventura. He's his landlord. He's also Mr. Rabinowitz in Requiem for a Dream. He's Shadow in Scarface. He's Sol Robeson in Pie, but he's probably best known. Lately, for his performances in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul as Hector Salamanca. The guy who's in a wheelchair for all of Breaking Bad and not for Better Call Saul. Danny Federici played the accordion player at the Friends and Family Party. He is a founding member of the Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Raymond J. Berry was Detective Gleason. That's the guy who said, maybe it's a good thing Santa's murdering people. Mm -hmm. Uh, He played Captain Yardley in Falling Down and the vice president of the united states in sudden death oh. he's also the dad from
2: dewey cox with the movie's most memorable line in the film wrong kid died <laughs> that's right <laughs> um i know him best as arlo Givens uh from uh justified
3: oh okay
1: wrong kid died
3: uh sam gray was inspector grella sam will play the mayor in wolfen next year robert lesser was detective gottlieb he's a businessman in die hard He's Murray in the 98 Godzilla and Dr. Hirsch in 2010, the year we make contact. He also appears as Marty in Ernest Saves Christmas. So he's got a couple Christmas movies under his belt. Will McMillan played Young Man. He's Lieutenant Dobbs in The Enforcer, Colonel Hyde in Salvador, and David in the original The Crazies. Bill Raymond played The Priest. He was Skylar Colfax in Lincoln and a microbiologist in Twelve Monkeys.
2: Yeah, I I was really looking at him... Especially for the Twelve Monkeys role, like, yeah. And
3: it, it, Is, are there a lot of people working in the lab? In yeah, there movie?
2: are. There, there's there's quite a few because it, it's it's David Morris and Christopher Christopher Plummer are kind of like the centerpiece of the scene. Yeah, but there's like five or six other people just who, rotating in the background.
3: Yeah. Uh, Stephen Mendillo or Mandillo played Tom. He's Jim ahern in slapshot He's Gerald Grunick in Broadcast News, and he's Cliff in Lone Star. And then the last name I had here was Ratanya Alda played Teresa. She's Angela in Deer Hunter. She's Dolores Montelli in Amityville Two, and she's Carol Ann in Mommy Dearest next year.
2: This was a really big cast. Yeah, like the the I, I was really I you know I I look up some things before I I sit down and watch, and one of the things I looked at is like the the cast to see can it kind of gives me an impression of the scope of the movie yeah. like five pieces and a very small right. cast there's like seven people with speaking lines um but this movie like i was like oh my god there are so many people credited in this movie and i don't know who any of these people are yeah like i don't know who mary and joe are yeah every know?
3: single person has a name the whole way through the <laughs> credits
2: uh and so it's like it's really hard for me to figure out who who they were in the movie based on what you see because you just don't see like like, I recognized Mark Margolis right away. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, I know who you are. And so he was easy to find as man too.
3: And there's one shot yeah. of Patricia Richardson that is just like straight up looks like her on Home Improvement. Yeah. Uh.
2: Uh, but and it's really not a, like, I'm not making a criticism. It was just this weird thing. Like, this movie's got a lot of people in it.
3: Yeah. I think that's partly because the movie spent so long in pre-production that he he just kept going back to it and flushing it out more and more and then you end up giving all these people extra lines but i agree that the detective stuff it falls flat i think everything with phil seems unnecessary mm-hmm. it could easily have been you know because you need if you need a straight man in the movie it could easily have just been that one coworker that keeps like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about like that guy could have been the straight shooter the whole time we didn't need
2: another family complicating things He he needed he needed a friend he needed like uh, the character in Miracle on 34th Street that Chris Kringle befriends in the like not not the woman he comes to live with and the lawyer, but the the young the young boy who is like who doesn't maybe doesn't believe him but understands him. right He needs the guy from
3: uh, don't go in the house that's like, hey, buddy, uh, you're feeling better. I got a great double date for us to go on mm-hmm. and it's just like, I know you're a psychopath, but I'm bored and you don't hate me so let's go do something together yeah i'm happy to hang out i think this is still a thumbs up from me because i think that it's it's a really interesting turn on the santa claus story i also wonder if because you can take the ending either way you can say he flew off and that was literally just the sound of his brother hitting those boxes on the side of the road
2: or he died but, but if you but, say he flew off, yeah, I mean you saw you see him fly off, well, right? But that could have been in his, his fantasy.
4: That's that's how he's picturing but, what is happening.
2: But right isn't now. the brother also looking up into the sky?
3: Yeah, but he's also down an embankment off the side of right, the road. Right, but he
2: would be looking down further where the bottom where the van would land. Not necessarily. He oh, could be he could
3: it, be down on the level where the where the van is going to land, and he's looking up at the van come off the bridge.
4: Yeah, I I took it to mean this guy was dying, but this was his fantasy of how it ended. Uh, yeah.
3: But uh, uh, the other thing that's weird is that you see in the, in the opening their memory of the, of the dad going up the chimney mm-hmm. and his legs actually pull up into the chimney. So I think there's two ways to read this story. Either that was them misremembering how things happened and this is his fantasy as he's dying or their dad was Santa Claus and now he's Santa Claus.
4: And, and he has to descend into madness to become Santa Claus.
3: No, all you have to do is kill a few people. It's the same as in the movie Santa Claus with Fair the enough. other Tool Time yep. character. Mm-hmm.
4: There you go. Uh, I don't think it's a thumbs up for me.
3: That's fine. It It is for me because of, I especially, I, it, it really hit me when he's watching the kids through the windows. And I'm like, oh, this guy's a fucking weirdo. And I was like, oh, that's just exactly
2: what Santa does though. Yeah so santa's a fucking weirdo except for having the picture of one of them you don't think santa has pictures of anybody i I honestly don't think i bet you
4: kids send him letters all the time with pictures of themselves yeah and i think he throws them out
3: i don't think it was a a sexual thing for him at all watching these kids because we we never even get a hint of him being pedophilic about it it's just i care so much about children it's a very you know uh, what we thought michael jackson was for a long time (laughs) <laughs> where it's just like oh he just likes them mm. he just likes kids he's a
4: child at heart
3: but we're seeing him when he's by himself and he's not doing anything perverse
4: yeah i mean i think that there is so much potential here and it just doesn't really deliver what i was looking for in the sure. film and so i don't it, it's not something i would recommend to people
2: yeah richard down
3: <laughs> all right just just me on the thumbs up on this one yeah um letterboxed, what are we doing
4: it's actually pretty low for me i yeah i've shared my grievances uh it 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 lands at it's at 126 uh so it is sorry (laughs) it is below the fiendish plot of dr fu manchu and above he knows you're alone
3: okay
2: richard i I will do you one better i have it at 127 okay (laughs) that's that's, that's Um, better i have it right below terror train and right above motel hell
3: all right, I have it considerably higher, almost a hundred places higher than you guys. Um, I have it in thirty-two. It's right below Blues Brothers and right above North Sea Hijack. So I think I enjoyed I, this more than you guys. Yeah, did. a
4: lot more. I mean, I I think it's a it's a very flawed movie. I'm surprised you have it so high. Like conceptually, I agree. It's a it's a, it's a nice idea, but it just the
3: only thing that bothers me about it is the tune thing. I think they could have dropped that and the rest of it I could just excuse as that's what he decided to add to the story that seems superfluous to me to make it hit the hour 30 mark because it's barely a 90-minute movie right now. But um, if you cut out a couple of the the police scenes and a couple of the you know the brother scenes, you would get an hour and 20-minute movie with just that one flaw of him talking about tunes all the time for some reason. I asked you guys... To uh, come up with, if you could, a Christmas lyric that makes for the title of a horror film um, from a known Christmas song. Yeah. And uh, and why don't we share those now?
4: Well, I, I'm just going to take you through the journey I went through in my okay. head in this one. Because I, I was super busy. I didn't have a lot of time yeah, to yeah, dedicate yeah. to this. I feel like I could have done better. But the first thing that came to me was... You better watch out. And then I Googled it and realized that was the alternative title to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's taken. So that's taken. <laughs> and then the other things that I came up with again were literally just the lyrics straight out of the song. No pun, no changing yeah, yeah, yeah. it at all, because it turns out Santa's already pretty damn creepy. Yeah. And I was like, Do you hear what I hear? And here comes Santa Claus. Yeah. Um but though and it turns out like all of these are, are already movies. are already well they're at least shorts if not feature films that yeah. i've never heard of until i until i looked them up but the final one that i that i settled on that i'm like okay this is what this is the movie that i'd actually make was called felice navi dead
2: <laughs> okay
4: and then i looked that one up and it's a short that's coming out this year <laughs> oh perfect
3: that's your final answer though felice
4: navi dead Feliz is okay. what i would have chosen right. for my is that like Christmas a
3: zombie film. santa
2: movie well, with th- some spanish flair
4: yeah yes (laughs)
2: okay perfect uh my less inspired one was just grandma got run over uh and and not not (laughs) it's just a family drama uh but uh i liked i was trying to think of it it's like it's too long to do like the whole thing so i just did little town of deathlehem (laughs) okay uh but uh yeah so i was just like eh. I, i i really tried to just think of things that were seemed sinister because like like a silent night uh silent night deadly night i guess actually yeah like it's kind of taken um and and other songs that just don't make sense like silver bells <laughs>
4: <laughs> well yeah everything I, well everything i came up with is taken i was like oh you know it would be great is one called Santa Slay? but you spell Slay s-l-a-y yeah, and i'm like okay that's yeah. a movie everything i looked one. up is a movie already
3: (laughs) um my two that i came up with uh the one i liked the second most is just called uh he sees you when you're sleeping um which just feels like he knows you're alone type title and then uh the but the one that i liked the most was the presence underneath the christmas tree which is
4: (laughs) you spell presence differently yeah yeah
3: yeah um but i think that's everything for this one uh, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us we are vintage video pod on twitter facebook instagram and letterboxd where as i've said before you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year we can also be found at vintagevideopodcast.com. please consider rating us on itunes to help people find the show and if you take the time to leave us a review we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode if you're feeling especially generous you can also support the show through patreon.com slash vintage video podcast thank you so much for listening and i hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing shogun assassin Which IMDb describes like so. When the wife of the Shogun's decapitator is murdered and he is ordered to commit suicide by the paranoid Shogun, he and his four year old son escape and become assassins for hire, embarking on a journey of blood and violent death. We leave you now with the trailer for Shogun Assassin.
0: Return to the vanished kingdoms of ancient times. empire of man wizards and barbaric passions behold the saga of a legendary warrior a loving father who has the power of a dozen armies in one sweep of his mystic blade this is a story of honor disgrace Vengeance. Massacre. And a man who became a demon. Shogun Assassin. Once, he was the greatest of the magnificent samurai. Now, he hunts the evil lords who butchered his wife and stained his honor one man and one child defy the most notorious masters of death on the planet like father like son meets the greatest team in the history of mass slaughter Nothing on Earth can match their infernal fury. Nothing on the screen can match this awesome spectacle of sword and sorcery.
1: Assassin.